Welcome back to Tuesdays. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're here to discuss Night Country, Part 4. It's the most wonderful time of the of year. The year. <laughs> uh, Where everyone's drunk and it's still always dark and you're gonna have a lot of fear. <laughs> Holy shit, there's a polar bear here. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we can work on that song. Just from from the tippy top, this was a rough one. Uh, yeah. This was uh, one of the sadder oh my <laughs> episodes God, of, uh, of television I've watched in a while. You know, True Detective is a pretty dark show, but this touches like, this. well, this goes beyond like season three level sadness when, you know, you catch up with the dwarf and it's like, no kids. No woman. No friends. Uh, okay. All right. Did we? That was pretty upsetting. We... All of it. Hold on. Everything about Ray Velcoro as a human being in season mm-hmm. two. Just, yep. It's very, very sad. And honestly, season one, even with the background of, of Rust and the backstory that you do get, to me, that that's why that final episode was such a like emotional wallop. Because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't expect us to fully get there. And it's, again, that the fact that that finale, like, wraps up the story, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Uh, or the plot, rather. But there's still some story to tell. And that final beat at the hospital, of course, is just, you know, tears every time. But uh, mm-hmm. this, this was a very, uh, very rough episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, on an emotional front, but uh, also a very fucking creepy one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, for, before we uh, before we get into it, we should address this because uh, I think we opened our previous episode by uh, talking a little shit about Nick Pizzolatto and his recent comments. Uh, yeah. And and Issa Lopez has responded in the interim. So if you haven't been keeping track of this, we'll we'll update you. I was just going to read her statement. Uh, hold on. Just pulling it up here. This is a hot gossip corner. Yeah. This is a quote from Issa Lopez. I believe that every storyteller has a very specific, peculiar, and unique relation to the stories they create. And whatever his reactions are, he's entitled to them. That's his prerogative. I wrote this with a profound love for the work he made and a love for the people that loved it. And it's a reinvention. And it is different. And it's done with the idea of sitting down around the fire and let's have some fun and let's have some feelings and have some thoughts. And anybody that wants to join us is welcome. That's it. Yeah. Simple, classy, to the point. Not uh, not entering the fray. Uh, so just wanted, just wanted to point that out. I don't know that he has walked back any of his... Uh, Probably not. His pithy uh, online responses, but yeah. So a little note on that. Uh, Also, programming note from the top. So off mic, Gavin and I had discussed, I was under the impression that uh, according to IMDb, rather, that we were going to take a week off, which I thought was a little odd because you may recall there's a pretty high profile series running this time last year called The Last of Us, season one. Yeah. And they fell in the Super Bowl window. And you know what they did? They drop their episode the Friday before, and lo and behold, we get to the 
next week on uh, right after this episode. And that's exactly what they're doing. So no, no interruption to our regularly scheduled programming. But one thing I was going to ask you, you know, we the, the plan again off mic was like, oh, maybe you binge Monsieur Spade and uh, we catch up on that in lieu of there not being a new True Detective. But we're getting it, but we're getting it two days early. So do we want to drop it on Super Bowl Sunday? And then still record an episode for that Tuesday. What do you want to do? Um. Yeah. Let's. Or let's, we can just. Or we can just hold it for that Tuesday and stick with the Tuesday's schedule. Let's. Um. Unless unless episode five is like, oh my god, we got to rush this thing out. I don't know. It is going to be the penultimate. So. That's what I'm wondering if it's going to be worth it. Where well, I mean, obviously it's going to be worth it. But if it's one of those where we ought to just say, you know what, let's just um. Let's just keep it going as usual, but maybe we, um, I don't know. I think if we both agree we can get to it, maybe we record like early Sunday afternoon if you're free or um, Saturday night-ish. I mean, because I'm basically just, I mean, I, I won't, I don't do anything on the weekends anymore, so I got plenty of time. So we could watch it Friday, maybe like, you know. Maybe this is like if it's paneled, maybe let, let, let's watch it, but let's both agree like we'll go back. We'll at least if we don't watch everyone up to up to now, we'll at least like breeze back through some stuff before, so we can kind of have like before, a more I was gonna say at least before more, the finale. Um, yeah. Definitely rewatch all of them. Um yeah, we'll play that by ear. I still think, I mean, if you're down, I would still like to record Friday night just when we watch it fresh. Yeah, yeah, if you're work. available, but we'll figure that out, yeah. Mike. Okay, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that the rest of the world was anticipating a break, but I actually was because IMDb said there was going to be a week gap, but I'm glad there isn't. Six weeks straight, and we get one early, which is nice. So, uh, mm-hmm. there we go. Uh, yeah, you want to dive in, brother? What you? What, I mean, what do you want to hit? Pretty, pretty um, depressing uh, Christmas Eve for all of our principal characters. Everybody, yeah, everybody involved. I um again, it does just it does just kind of make me a little sad because it's like I would have loved this to start the second week in November or maybe like even the well no it's on force so yeah the last week in November. And wow, it's so depressing. Noah is taking a shot of uh, some sort of alcohol while we watch. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's um, not a shot. I usually, I usually have a little, uh, a little pour uh, of whiskey that uh, I have okay. as a from a, uh, a holiday gift. I usually have that when we're uh, recording. But oh, I, I, I haven't seen the, it the dishes are washing, so I'm, I have it, and it's the container it was given to me. And oh, okay, nice That's little cool. little custom custom yeah. bottles. This um, is a what is it? I believe it's Woodford Reserved, uh, cask aged. It's a it's a hmm. one nineteen proof. It's uh it's pretty pretty smooth for yeah. being, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a nice holiday gift. Much as I I'm saying, like I feel like this would have been a nice holiday gift for us to have last year. But again, I'm glad that they we talked about it. They they stuck with your know, tradition, so to speak, and they released it first of the year. But so it is still weird to see like all this Christmas stuff. And I love that everybody in the town is watching Elf. Like Alaska, elf, elf country. They all watching. They're all watching elf. Well, I kind of took. Well, yeah, Eccleston. Well, he's in a hotel, right? Right. And mm-hmm. then Hawks has it on too. So I took it as like this is the local, you know, 
maybe they don't have full on full cable range. So yeah, maybe Ted they just Turner, have like Ted Turner's reach the local reach broadcast that's pinged up there. Or maybe it maybe it is TBS. We don't know. Yeah. But Eccleston pauses it. So I was like, wait, does he have this on DVD in the hotel? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he's just pausing live TV because most modern TVs can do that. I don't know. Right. Maybe we officially are in 2024. Uh yeah. okay. Let's let's start with the least, the least depressing. <clears throat> As long suspected. Uh she she's not Russian. Is it Bratislava? Where's she supposed to be from? That sounds Bol right. Volkovic? I forget where he... Iceland, me. maybe? Reykjavik? Reykjavik? No. Uh, I forget where he breaks up. But uh, yeah, Hank's Bride does not show. Of course. And I gotta say, like, I, I love the way they played this, though. The, oh, like, yeah. little bit of false hope of, like, oh, oh, she's not coming. Oh, wait. She's the last person <laughs> off the plane. And then it's like, no, that's, like, the stewardess. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then ultimate defeat. He's just standing there, sad bunny. I again, there there has to be another shoe to drop. I just can't imagine you hire John Hawks to just play this guy. But yeah. like, but who knows, man? Who knows? Uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that as least least depressing. Well, let's I mean, let's talk it, about it. Is least, but at the same time, we still have the fact that like he goes back to the. I'm assuming house that he it's his house that he had all done up with like the roses and everything for her. Mm -hmm. He had all this stuff ready. And I'm like, bro. And I do love that her, his, like his son's straight up. Like you didn't like give her money. Did you like, she didn't send her any money. It's like, dude, but, like I looked at Bex. So I was like, this is just depressing now. She's like, yeah, it was funny beforehand, but now it's just kind of sad. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of sad. Well, let's move over to young prior who is, uh, once again, kept away from home by mm -hmm. uh, the many orders of Danvers. And uh, when he does ultimately make it home, we'll just fast forward to that. We're, this this kind of explains a little bit of the tension. Mm -hmm. So I maybe am past the point of thinking like there's another shoe to drop with Peter. I think this was that shoe. Right. But the... Uh, the feeling that he at least feels like his wife resents him, that she didn't want the kid, that she feels trapped by all of this. Um, right. That that was kind of a revelation, but definitely, definitely explained a lot of the episode one interaction and the tension over uh, the kid. So. Now, did you, did you, have the same, did you have the same thought I did when she was like, obviously Danvers is drunk and she's not going to go out there, but she wants him in the bar to go. Did you have the same like instant I, thought that I did? I mean, I just immediately thought something bad was going to exactly. happen to yeah. him specifically. Yeah, I, didn't, him. I didn't know if you thought we were playing off of like some other element from the show. No, but, no, just uh, that. But yeah, no, I immediately was on guard and just the fact, like, honestly, if it weren't for what's already happened with Navarro and her sister, which we'll get into, I, uh, I thought there was a huge, well, he, they don't get the call until after that. She doesn't know anyways. We know as an audience that that's right. already happened, but she hasn't gotten the call yet. Yeah. But yeah, when they're both headed out there, uh, yeah, I was kind of like, wait, no, is this the trajectory? And then it's going to be the guilt of like Danvers basically forced him out there. Right. And she's been, you know, really pushing him this whole time. Still something that could definitely happen. 
almost mm-hmm. as if you wanted to see this as a teaser for that. Uh, but I I don't know. I don't quite know. Uh, I, mean, I just thought we were going to get a shootout. Like, I just am thinking, again, trying to recreate. It was, like, it was on the table, but then when there was still a lot of episode left and we were headed out to the dredges, I was like, yeah, okay. And we got, you know, not a shootout, but a set piece of, of a kind for yeah. sure. Uh, okay. Sorry. Where do you, I mean, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? We don't, again, um, I mean, we, this is not a recap show. This is a, I mean, I guess this is we a, can... what we, what, 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 we're, what we're thinking, what we're ruminating about right now. But, but I guess actually I want to get it out of the way. Yeah, I was going to say, we the can big, just go there The next. big thing that hangs over this whole episode was, um, we, I mean, we open with Danvers kind of being haunted by the video of the previous episode. Right. And I, I don't, did you go back and look at episode three in the interim? No. Cause there's definitely a few things, uh, that we did not touch on. Okay. In the Wheeler scene, mm-hmm. the whistling where I was just like, Oh, that's creepy whistling. Mm-hmm. I had to have another podcast pointed out to me. And then I did go back and rewatch the scene. He's whistling, twist and shout. I can't whistle or I would do it right now. I'm trying oh, to make it creepy. Oh, okay. But he's whistling, twist and shout. So huh. that, uh, I found that pretty relevant. Pretty, pretty relevant. Uh, yeah, nice little, nice little touch there. Hmm, interesting. And then we did, we talked about the cave in the Annie K video and just it being pretty fucking creepy but did yeah. we talk about that final shot like when the camera face falls essentially no i don't think we did well they get they get into it in this episode but like i i went back and looked at that because i remember that was like is that a pattern or something like what's what's mm-hmm. up there and i did go back and look at it and i was like those look like bones like that almost looks like a spinal column of some sort mm-hmm. and then you know lo and behold uh, high school science dude, Danvers fuck buddy, one of many, uh, is like, oh yeah, those look like whale bones. But I mean, you know, head cannon. Are are you sure? You sure they're yeah. whale bones? Right. Sure they're not? Uh, <laughs> sure not some ancient, ancient creature? Right. <laughs> just saying. I mean, just saying. Another detail that I just noticed for the first time. So they don't, they don't add things to the opening credits. No. From what I can tell. But the end screen where it's, mm-hmm. you know, cre- or created by Issa Lopez, written, directed, where all that like flashes by, mm-hmm. that is different at the end of every episode. In this episode, it is a tip towards the, the place they find out at the dredges. The building that they go into right it looks like mm-hmm. a little warehouse structure okay so we haven't seen that before but just a few frames prior to that because i've been catching little glimpses and like i was like oh there's an orange peel there's the one-eyed polar bear there's like deer antlers or what actually it's like a caribou head is what we're assuming yeah. um but one of the things i had not noticed yet there's a fucking hatch there's a hatch door huh. that looks like you know, something you would pry the top open and go down into a a structure that you may not expect to be there. 
and that maybe even that could be hidden, you know, below something. But mm -hmm. yeah, I had not noticed that. There's a very, like, it's a very quick flash, but there is a hatch pretty prominently. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that's that's the opening to get down into wherever this cave is, 100%. Which if you think, which with where they found the rock that had the spiral on it and the other thing, I would assume, like, that's it. Like, his place at the Nomad camp. It looked like there was, like, you could just move whatever... The, where the spiral was on the ground, you could just move that over or lift I get the that feeling up. that those those guys out there they're protecting something in that area. Gotta be or keeping something at bay. Yeah, one of the two, but something something going on out there. Hmm. And yeah, this is now the second time we've been out there. I feel like it's not going to be the last. While we're talking about what they find out at Tagak's cabin. Mm -hmm. They find the spiral, obviously, and they find the stone that has the spiral as well. Right. Did this strike you as odd at all? So she, she's found out that her sister, I mean, okay, very upsetting sequence. So she, Danvers finds her initially, she's having another episode, and it's actually kind of like one of the nicer moments between Danvers and Navarro because you see like a genuine compassion there for the sister. Like, right. and ultimately they're like, okay, she's going to go into a facility. She right. takes her there and we get, I thought what, what was a very, very effective scene of the orange, uh, rolling out coming of, yeah. back and then mm -hmm. the kind of jump scare moment under the bed. And we don't see her again for a bit, but when we do, I just immediately, she's, she's on the phone with her and you can tell that there's like wind blowing mm -hmm. the sister's hair. And I was just, I immediately was like, oh no, oh no, she's oh, yeah, out yeah. there. I just yeah. like, and like kind of the inevitability of it was just, I don't know. It was a lot. It was very upsetting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was tough to watch. So, uh, and again, that kind of lingered over the rest of the episode where I even was like, art. I was like, are, are we going to be in a season two space of just like how much can we pile on? Because honestly, when Hank goes in that bedroom with all the roses laid out, out mm -hmm. that whole sequence, I was like, is Hank about to off himself? Right. right now? Yeah. Is he done? Like, like, what are we doing? Like, holy, <laughs> you know, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot. So, anyways, she. Flashing back, because I wanted to get to the spiral, the stone. She goes in. She's, like, pissed at the people at the facility. She doubles back to the guy from the first episode, right. his wife, uh, and gets into basically, like, a three-on-one brawl, intermittently a three-on-one brawl with them. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up at uh, Kavix. Yeah, Cob, yeah. At Kavik's place. And he said he notably he reacts kind of like oh what is that but then when she shows up at danvers later and goes to show it to her she doesn't have it on her anymore yeah did you did you think it was odd that he would keep it it's either it's odd clear, he kept it or she just left it there but like but that, why but would she that, leave it there but it again it seemed like why again like you said why would she leave it there why would they draw attention to the fact that she didn't have it on her if it wasn't going to be significant 
because otherwise mm-hmm. she would have just shown it to her. But yeah, like why? Why? Why would Kava keep it? Because he hmm. hasn't fully been on my radar. I've heard some people kind of speculate that, like, oh, he's got those dogs. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he trained the dogs to do something. Maybe the dogs talk to him. I don't know. There's the whole Clark thing from the thing. I mean, the dude yeah. with the dogs. Don't trust the dude with the dogs. But lest we forget, people who have not seen the thing, spoilers, close your ears. But also, what the hell's wrong with you? Clark, Clark was. Clark was human the whole fucking time. Oh. He just loved those dogs. Yeah. He just loved those dogs. He never he never actually changed. Mm-hmm. One of the many twists within a twist within that movie. Uh, See, yeah. so trying to think. I've just been I've just been wondering like processing like what exact trying to figure out what exactly the night country is okay sorry supposedly all in now we gotta talk about otis yeah we gotta talk about otis okay so all of a sudden prior seemingly out of thin air pulls this pulls this case file from 98 similar so eye burns Mm -hmm. eardrum self-inflicted bites Oh yeah, he cross references everything that's like likes the law to see if there's anything that's ever like happened right. before like that. So, and we even tease earlier in the episode. It's like, oh, Clark and him may be together. So the fake out of like we think we're hunting for Clark at the end, but it ends up being this guy. Uh, so I was like, dude, okay, the whatever. We're jumping around. No, it's fine. This the sequence at the end where they go in and find him. Hmm. Because, oh my God, (laughs) you have Navarro walking and it's like, she sees what look like child footprints. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is a little, this is a nice little Blair Witch reference. Like instead of, instead of hand, the child handprints on the wall, Mm -hmm. you've got footprints here. Okay. I was like, all right, all right. I see what you're doing. But when she full on goes for it and she does the, the hooded figure in the corner, Mm-hmm. I was, dude. I was, yeah, I was creeped the fuck out. That was very, very effective. And then the reveal of I was, I literally said out loud, I was like, "It's Otis." I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. All right, yeah. okay. Uh, the only man who can lead them to the caves. Yes, because he, we find out from the the teacher so friend, whatever, yeah, whatever that, happened to him, he he survived and has been essentially. As far as everybody else is concerned, a, a crazy junkie. But yeah. as most people are, you know, some people might look at it. Your your typical and, your typical aftermath of a, a Lovecraftian protagonist, which is like they saw some shit they shouldn't see, and, and now they're they, crazy, and now they're fucking insane. Yeah. But think of, think of it this way: if we this is just a parallel I'm making. So, if we're doing the mirror thing, right? Yeah, Childress and his disciples were all about their ascension to becoming demons, you know, in right. this this terrible plane that they live on, like because of all this, right? And I have a big thing from uh, Reddit I want to read some of just to kind of like hammer okay. on my point. We can get that later. Um, so the inverse is that Clark 
and Otis are descending because he says he's gone back down now, like he's back down there, you know, theoretically, wherever she awoke from is down there. And yes, she ascended. But in order to get to where you are, whatever plane is exist of existence, if we're going to do it, the inverse of where, like I said, we're children and his disciples and all we're at. You would have to descend in this case to go into the ground, not ascend and go up onto some different plane like this Carcosa-like area, whatever you want to call it. You're descending and going into the ground. So, uh, what you're saying here is we got a uh, we got a nine-inch nail scenario. On yes, our hands. we do the downward spiral. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So the crooked spiral is in fact crooked. the downward, the downward spiral. spiral. Okay. Copyright okay. Trent Reznor, copyright 1993. I'm just kidding. I don't know when that, yeah. So I I wanted to know, because another thing too, I have mentioned the book already when we first started about, started this podcast. I mentioned the book, The Night Country by Stuart Onan, and it was mm -hmm. one of the only books I've ever read in a day. And I think I mentioned that one of the mechanics of this book is the idea that there's a group of ghost teenagers and Marco, the guy that's, explaining it all to you says that like we exist everywhere at any time when anyone thinks of us so one minute we may be at the local mcdonald's in the drive-through of a car with someone's mom who just happened to think about us the next minute we're at the grocery store with our parents we're everywhere at all times and so the idea i just i don't know if this lady um if uh, what is her name again so, I don't know if Miss Lopez has read this book or like there's another book out there that called The Night Country that kind of explores like darker fairy tales and like different things like that. But I love the idea that like every time, maybe every time we see a quote unquote demon or we see something that is not real to anyone else but a specific character, if it operates on those same guidelines of like they're always there those figures those things that are there to haunt you and torment you but they're only visible when you're thinking of them like actively so like her sister right before she decides to walk out in the snow she's had this event she's had this thing you can infer that like whatever sure that's her mother obviously that she's mm -hmm. seeing because both of them watched their mother go crazy and then like they had to stay saw her body in the state it was right so like you can get the idea that like that's been haunting her this entire time we've seen her this whole episode. But then we get the manifestation. And of course, you're thinking about like, oh, I'm in a mental institution. I just had this outbreak. My sister's here. Am I going crazy? Am I becoming like my mom? Am I losing it? All that. And of course, what happens? You see your mom again. So the idea like you're thinking about mom, your mom and what happened, and you see her in the last form that you ever saw her, which is probably what you're going to remember the most and what you're going to think about when you think of your mom. I just think it's a nice nod to that. And again, I can't know if she ever read that book. I can't know if she ever thought about that mechanic. But it just seems to me that like when people see, when Navarro at least, and the people who have these visions, when they're seeing things from the dead that are no longer with us because they believe in that, like Danvers doesn't. And she's actively pushing against it, you know? And they have that moment where where That was Navarro one of my like, favorite scenes of this episode, oh, yeah. for sure. I mean that's that's well because it's right there. In a certain way, that's all I ever want the show to be is just those two viewpoints like battling it out in a room. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah, that was definitely a highlight for me. But don't forget that, of course, Danvers is coming off of 
outside of her dreams, mm-hmm. arguably the mo- well, again, because it's how do we take this? Because he he d- did appear in the first episode, but she's coming off the moment with the polar bear, uh-huh. where she runs off the road, and you know mm-hmm. she's a little drunk, she's a little tipsy. So did she? She was she really see? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And it's still still in that space, but it's almost like in in her arguing with Navarro, she's arguing with herself. She's trying to convince herself that like, no, I didn't like, I didn't just see something. Either that didn't happen or that was an actual polar bear, which I'm sure is not an uncommon thing in certain parts Mm -hmm. of Alaska. Right. One, you know, that you have to look out for them on the road. But, uh, and, and yeah, that, again, yeah. the the significance of it being the one-eyed, uh, just like the stuffed animal. Yeah, exactly. So, and and the other thing too is because because I feel like it doesn't get enough credit that I don't think, and we've talked about it, but I feel like so many of these reference inferences of this are all are always covered practically, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not so much in this because this is going to be a real left field answer. But do you ever play any of those? Um, I can't remember the name of them now, but they're basically like the choose your own adventure games where you have like a group of people, you try to keep them alive. Um, and like you, whatever you pick, like it'll influence something. And like, it's not a lot of action. It's all just like things you do. Mm-hmm. There was one uh, that came out called the, I think it's called the man of Medan is what it's called, but it's basically like you're a group of kids that are, Oh, the like until dawn was kind yeah, of the until first dawn those, yeah, one. right. Yeah. Right. So they're essentially like yeah, cinematic playthroughs, they're quick right. time events. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're more mm-hmm. there was one called decision, the Corey that just came out. With David but it's yeah, essentially yeah. on rails for the right. most part. Yeah. So this one that came out called Man of Medan is you're in a you're with a group of kids that's out having a, a pleasure cruise. All of a sudden these pirates come up on you, like Caribbean pirates, and they take you to this old old World War II ship. Mm-hmm. And the, and when you get on there, the creepiness, hauntedness of it is like you're seeing shit from World War II, this boat, this, this ship that like no one knows where it would happen to it, yada, yada, yada. The practical thing that is explained is that because of the age of this ship, it's leaking and emitting this thing that can cause people to hallucinate. Okay. So the idea that they're on this ship, this dread ship that probably is really old, that is leaking something that we saw when she first walked in there. There's something coming out of whatever that canister thing is. Mm-hmm. The idea that just subtly she she's set it up as like, this could all be bullshit. This guy could have just been living out here in this boat and inhaling these fumes and is out, off his, out of his fucking mind. And... But then you're like, wait a minute, how is Navarro having all this shit right now? You know, she obviously believes in the spiritual thing. Does this guy, Otis, is he in that realm? Or it's like, has he just been out here since that accident thing? And like, he's been huffing these fumes and living with these fumes daily. Maybe even descending down into some cave that you can get to through this dredge thing. And like... That's what that's how you can explain it all. So I just I love that there's still practically an example for every single inference we've had of like there being a supernatural, in, at least in my opinion, yeah. what I've what I've garnered from it. I, I, I do think everything has had, you know, quote unquote, a logical explanation. Even the people yeah. who had issues with uh, the previous episode and like the, you know, possession moment at the end, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, with Lund. But 
again, I think you can still, that can still just be in Navarro's head if you want it to be. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm kind of anticipating and I would be happy with, but also could see it being subverted in an interesting way. But it, it seems to me Danvers being so hard line, like, I don't buy this shit. Mm -hmm. The one and only thing, it's so clear that could that could change your mind is if some kind of experience whatever you want to call it allows her to to reconnect or to reach out to her son or her mm -hmm. husband um and i feel like that might be where we're ultimately headed which is like she has a moment where she more maybe buys into this sort of thing is similar to the kind of the revelation that rust has at the end of season one guy who spent the entire season telling us that there was, there was nothing out there, basically mm -hmm. uh, nothing really worth living for who finally like, is like, no, I, I felt something out there in, in the void or whatever. And it was my daughter. Um, I feel like that could be really, a really emotionally satisfying place to leave that character. Cause I feel like they've done the legwork at this point. Uh, for that being, you know, we still haven't gotten the full backstory. I'm sure it's to come in the penultimate, almost positive. We're going to get like, we're finally going to get all of that shit clarified. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I could see that being a very satisfying place to leave Danvers and, and the show, I think where it's like, can still play in that territory or maybe, maybe just a slight wink or a nod in the direction of like, yeah, but maybe there's maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe there's something else out there. Um, I could see that being really interesting. We'll see, we'll see where it ultimately ends. Yeah. Uh, also, maybe Danvers did it. Now, okay, I'm going to spoil this book for everybody because that's a perfect <laughs> thing for you to say. The whole revelation in the book, The Night Country, which if it was something where like Danvers or one of these people caused maybe. it, maybe, maybe I'm just, let me, let me speculate. Maybe. Let me, let me lay out the case before you, before yeah, you lay it. it out. Let me see. So all this stuff she's having she's is got, just like guilt. She's got, she's got prior running all over the place. Mm -hmm. Doing, doing a lot, doing mm -hmm. a lot, you know? Yeah. She's. She's bailing her own kid out of like trouble with the mine. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of animosity towards the Inupiat culture for some reason. Maybe it's because they have animosity towards her. We talked about the, the possible relationship with the husband. We're still speculating on that. Again, I would like some more clarification. Don't know if we're going to get it. But like she feels isolated in this, this space. She's, you know, hasn't had a real case. Nobody takes her seriously. She, she, she engineered the whole thing. She finally snapped. She had a break. I, I don't fucking know. No, there's no way. I can't. Mm -hmm. even, I can't even seriously posit that. But what were you gonna say? Oh no, saying, I thought you meant. No, I thought you meant like the thing that she with the son and the dad that like she's responsible for that. Oh, not that it. That's what I thought you were getting to. It's like the thing we're seeing, like her flash. Oh no, I was saying she. I was saying she killed all the dudes at Salal. <laughs> I mean, she could have. We never know. I mean, maybe she fucked them all, and they were all going to tell each <laughs> she other. She into she <laughs> I was gonna say she's a pretty tough cookie. I think if she was yelling at me, I I would probably strip down naked on the ice and fold my clothes neatly and gouge my own eyes out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, but yeah. So that is a thought of 
Yeah, yeah I like there's got to there's got to be some level of guilt associated with whatever happened. Um, because right. it seemed you know if it I don't know that sounds because, weird to say well, no and it's that's like the thing, yeah because, if it was if it was like just a drunk driver it's like right. that's a horrible accident you know whatever but if but, she was the she drunk driver fe- yeah she was because think about it everything that happens to any of these people Marty uh, Ray uh, all of them right. There's always something that they're carrying with themselves, whether it's real time or in the past, from the past, that like keeps them from being like a completely like good, a true detective, right? There's always yeah, something. No, there's always them, right? some. Yeah, there's always yeah, some right? baggage. Yeah. And the entire time we've seen all this stuff, I'm like, this sucks. But like the only in my head, I'm like, the only reason why this is a thing for you is because you are the reason it happened, right? For one one way or the other, right? And again, I'm going to spoil the book of Night Country. If anybody wants to hear this, if anybody's listening to this and wants to read the book, you should. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. The revelation in the back half of that book, you've heard so many times that like the accident that, ki- that happened to these kids, you know, around Halloween on twisting, turning, snowy roads, and they lost control of the car. But one of the characters that you follow throughout this is an officer named Brooks, who is the first guy on the scene. Mm-hmm. You find out Brooks was the first guy on the scene because Brooks bumped their car accidentally and is the reason they all spun out and died. And the reason why one of them didn't die, but essentially was like lobotomized and now he's just kind of like a half whatever guy. And like he's, they talk about seeing half of his his real old self in the woods, but they can't talk to him because he's still alive. He's just not the person he was. That's interesting. And then, the, and then the one kid who survived it all unscathed and like knows that Brooks did it, but doesn't know, like he doesn't really remember the crash. He just knows he survived. So the guilt with that officer that you're seeing in that book is I destroyed all these people's lives and I'm still here. No one knows that I did it. But, like, I know I did it, but I know what it would mean if I turned myself in, and I just can't. So, like, that coupled with the whole, like, night country theory I just laid out, I really do wonder. Like, if we get to that point, it is like, well, Danvers is actually the reason why her son and her her husband aren't here anymore. And maybe no one knows it. Maybe everyone thinks that it was, like, not her fault, but really it was, and she knows. So she carries that guilt, and that's why she sees them the way she does. But she, like Rust, can't commit commit suicide because she doesn't believe that there's anything after that. She just thinks mm-hmm. everybody's dead and that's it. But if that is the case and we do find out she's the one who kind of is the true one responsible for everything, then you, I, I'm going to be convinced that um, that she definitely read The Night Country and that did somewhat influence her somewhere. Not Maybe not – maybe the name and some of these ideas could have been an influence. Maybe I have – I definitely have to – I'd get, like to get her – her take on it. If, I'm gonna like, she after we get done it. here. I'm gonna do a little Google search for uh, Stuart O'Nan and uh, True Detective, and yeah. see if anybody's drawn these parallels or if she has mentioned it in any of the interviews. That'd be not. I actually just found it looking through all this stuff. So, um, I'm gonna. Can I read this thing to you about the spiral? I found it's probably one of the, the most in depth, like pretty good. It's not really long. Uh, Reddit posts I found about the meaning of the spiral symbol in Night Country. This guy did really good. So just bear with me here. I know it's our show. We can do what we want. We have to. We can just cut this and put it in the um, off the record section. So 
This comes from Safe Animator 5760 on Reddit. <clears throat> Spiral in prehistory. One of, if not the oldest symbols used by petroglyphs is, is the, the spiral, and the most common symbol occurring across different cultures and religions. It's also found all over nature and structures as small as DNA, double helix, and as large as galaxies. The triple spiral motif in the Neolithic symbol is in Europe, mainly used by the Celts um, around 3200 BCE. Actually predates the Celts, really, if you think about it. Um, because it's a prehistoric symbol, you can't really induce the meaning behind it. Um, a lot of people think that like it has to do with religion, um, but we're not, not necessarily sure. Anyway, so getting into season one. In season one, the meaning of the spiral found on Dora Lang and throughout the season is never fully explained or revealed, but it is generally understood as relating to the existence of cosmic philo philosophical themes of the cult of yellow and probably at some level symbolizes the cult's embrace of chaos, hedonism, and nihilism of the Cthulhu variety and rejecting the conventions of moral and societal structures. It could also represent the psychological descent of the character, particularly Cole, as they delve deeper into the darkness of the case and their own minds. The direction of the spiral, if you were drawing it on a piece of paper, would be circling outside to inside. If your first movement was to move your pencil from left to right, then down, as the English language reads. We can also observe this when Rose Agnew draws the spiral in the snow when Navarro asks her about it in part two of Night Country. Note that she draws it in the direction of the spiral in season one, rather than the direction of the spiral tattooed on Annie, Clark, and Lund's forehead, potentially suggesting she's not familiar with the tattoo and rather it was just and was just aware that it's a very old symbol. It's also frequently associated with Nietzsche's concept of an eternal Recurrence, a fatalistic version of which is echoed in Rust's philosophical musings. Time is a flat circle. Right. Um, time is a flat circle, events doomed to repeat themselves endlessly and incapably cycle of existence. Worth noting, though, that this was more of an existential thought experiment than a metaphysical claim. If the same life was to be lived over and over, it might as well be a life you'd want to repeat over and over. This philosophy is conveyed in Russ's comment that life's barely long enough to get good at one thing. Yeah, so be careful what you get good at. The Yellow King cult perverted this into a quasi-religion, religious embrace of the YOLO nihilistic hedonism and evil and the amalgamation of these ideas. And it's expressed in some of Russ's more fatalistic musings as he's struggling on the case. And he delves into more about this and that, but he so he kind of has a wrap up here about, or this user has a wrap up of, of it based. So he says, based off the events of Night Country thus far, as we know, one, the symbol is probably older than the ice, suggesting a prehistoric origin. Two, it came to Annie in a dream. It's implied that she didn't necessarily have an interpretation of it right away, given that it appeared to her in multiple recurring dreams and that all her close friends could say about it. Incidentally, this seems to. It, that's all that her friends could say, um, and it, it kind of contradicts uh, Freudian interpretation of dreams. Uh, the third thing is that Clark was obsessed with it and got himself a tattoo after Annie's murder. Four, it probably isn't nefarious given what we know of Annie's character. So at some level, this is the writer here, at some level I'm not sure how specific the meaning behind the spiral is meant to be given that it appeared in a dream and given the prehistoric origins of the symbol. There isn't anything definitive to give us meaning, but I looked at it from the perspective. <clears throat> Perse 
sorry, perspective of dialectic inversion of the spiral in season one, then we could view it as a direct inversion of season one spiral meaning, which meant something like this. Um, and it just says spiral is a symbol of Nietzschean eternal recurrence spiral versus the symbol of platonic continuation of reincarnation. Um, we know the spiral night country goes in the opposite of direction, moving outward first stroke. So it doesn't like, it wouldn't be like you start from the outward and move into yourself. You're reversing it and starting in the middle and winding your way back out. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where, where I mentioned earlier, um, in Errol Childress's case, it says, my ascension removes me from the disc in the loop. I am near my final stage. Some mornings I can see the infernal plane. And it just says infernal plane equals, you know, realm or dimension that's considered malevolent, sinister, or associated with suffering and punishment, typically inhabited by demons or fallen angels or malevolent spirits, tormentors. Um, so he's basically like becoming a demon. And they go on to, he goes on to mention the total connection and a bunch of these different things. One key note that is interesting is that Clark is supposed to be Irish, so therefore there is that connection to the Celts, because we do have the Celts making this symbol in prehistoric times, like in that part of the world as well. So I just, I, don't know, I thought this Redditor did a really that good was, job of just breaking yeah, it all no, the way down. Like That was pretty fascinating. Oh, please do. Yeah. It goes into more of like, he does talk more philosophically about like reincarnation and Plato versus... Um, uh, another philosopher and what it means so like but again that was all in my search to try and figure out what exactly it's, it's meant to be in the night country we obviously know on a basic level even though it, well, it's again, the, it still seemed like the, there was some sunshine but like the concept, for the most part we so we're coming out of the the days of night and so right. we've seen it twice because people highlighted this in the in the drive in the previous episode Right, yeah, it's like when they're driving, um, but it's almost when it's like a little it's, bit light. It's like magic hour almost. It's it's right. literally the sun like just peeking through for like an hour and a half to two hours, and then it's back to total darkness essentially. It never, it's like um, it doesn't rise, so it can't uh, set. It's just out there. Essentially, yeah, that's like I said. It's, you get like two hours of magic hour essentially, two magic right. hours, and then you're good. Uh, so yeah, I. Oh, I was going to say, it's there's a lot of that in the conversation between the two of them towards the end of the episode where Navarro, who's very clearly like she's going through a lot and maybe on mm -hmm. the verge of her own personal break, but that she was like that, you know, it's real. That's literally what this place does. It takes mm -hmm. all of us. And when you stop to like step back and look, it's like, OK, there's the Annie K murder. There's mm -hmm. whatever happened with Danvers, like. You know, Danvers family, mm -hmm. the husband, the son. There's uh, Navarro's mom, which do we know that that happened here or that happened in Boston? I don't know. I don't know that we ever just assume it was there. I think so. But yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's like and we've had all this stuff piling up. We still haven't fully gotten into like the water situation, all the stuff with the mine. We got a little bit more of that teased here with the the brief scene. Oh yeah, the where, murderers uh, on the on the um the mine yeah. company's front door. So I still don't know what's I, I don't know. I almost feel like we haven't unless five is very mine heavy. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's been maybe a very distant red herring at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of said from the get go that the mine was probably a distraction, probably a, like, let's not go down that road. But, uh, yeah. but I don't know, maybe late breaking that comes in. I still think, I still think Hank is wrapped up with them somehow. Yeah. Possibly on the toll, on the take, uh, I mean, what protecting, about protecting their up? interests in some way? I definitely got that vibe as soon as he popped back in. Because mm-hmm. again, he, he, this is just a side note, but Eccleston strikes me as the, uh, the kind of guy who likes to have fun in interviews in terms of playing around with expectations. Mm-hmm. And everything he's been saying prior to this was very much like, oh, I would have never taken such a small role if it wasn't Jodie Foster, you know, if it wasn't the opportunity to work with her. Well, he's doing like, a lot of work, all right. That's that, two well, That's what I'm saying is, like, I feel like he's underselling the size of the part. On purpose? And the fact that they would go after him. Well, again, he's a certain established level of actor. And then beyond that, there's just a... There's certain things we expect when we see HBO regulars. Hawks is an HBO regular. Deadwood, Eastbound, Eccleson, I mean, Leftovers, Mm -hmm. three seasons worth of it. I'm trying to think if he's cameoed anywhere else, but I consider him part of the family. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just, I feel like, yes, he might be underplaying that Ted might be a little bit more substantial than we thought he was but if it is just these two scenes well we know we're getting him next episode because he was in the the next on but uh dude i loved the little bit with the the whitening gel thing oh my god he's using yeah that was great their their chemistry's fun uh enjoy the two of them together uh but yeah i don't i don't think we've seen the last of him and i did think it was weird that he popped back in again logical explanation of like hey there's a lot of a lot of odds and ends now and you need to kind of like bring this thing together Mm -hmm. and it's like it's kind of late in the game but we're just now like this otis otis seems like such a a linchpin you want to be able to just like let me pick this guy's brain like if there's anything left to pick but exactly yeah he's got to have some answers what did you make of this final moment with navarro I mean, to me, it's one of those where it's like when he says we're in the night country, it's like he's meaning like anybody who has any sort of like basic belief or like adherence to the idea that like any of this stuff is real, like can suspend their disbelief or like can honestly, you know, look at things and be like, okay, you know, maybe there is something out there after this. We're all in the night country now. It's obviously, to me, it's some kind of revelation that, like, it's only something that maybe, you know, the, I don't like to use Bane terminology, but, like, the initiated understand. You know what I mean? Like, it's only, Uh like, Danvers is never going to get it. But if she just went and talked to the, the native people, they would explain it to her. But no one wants to because of what's happened with her. 
So she's incapable. And the only inroads she has or had is Navarro, you know, and she's going to have to figure out some sort of way because like, it's weird because in this instance, because normally I am the kind of guy that's like, I don't really do ghost stuff because it's like, I can't get past the idea that like on a basic level, it means there's an afterlife. So we're around, well, you know? And I, I want to point this out, too, because... Another, but I don't like this idea when I have life. It seems terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> another one of the constant subversions, almost to the point where it's like, it's the trope now, is, I would say, like, 90% of ghost stories. They're scary, they're scary, they're scary, they're scary. Mm-hmm. until they're not until we reveal that actually they have a tragic backstory and all they were trying to do is reach out and tell you the terrible thing that happened to them mm-hmm. and if you had just listened all along you could have spared yourself all of the psychological trauma but really mm-hmm. the ghost was your friend the whole time it's a f- like a huge cliche at this point in the horror mm-hmm. genre very very played out which is why I love I the Japanese say, thing I, of like I, they just show up and then they make you sad and then you die. Well, I can't say that it's I can't say that it's not something that can still be done well or be done effectively, but it is kind of like almost something you expect. So to that end, the mom, you know, seemingly being like, Oh, our mom fucked us up. Our mom was crazy, our mom lost her shit. Her mom was murdered, never solved. Mm-hmm. All of that. It just it seems very clear to me that like these shocking, scary images of the mom reaching back out, pointing, you know, mm-hmm. is like Rose mentioned in the what the second episode. Yeah, you know, you need to know what kind of ghost you're dealing with, right. It's like, are they trying to, you know, we've been sitting here going like, oh, she's trying to take her with her. Like, oh, hello, Evangeline, your mother's waiting for you. Like, um, that's what we've, you know, been led to believe, Mm -hmm. but I still would not be shocked if the ultimate reveal is like the reason the mom's reaching out now after all this time is because whatever happened to her. And whatever happened to Annie Kay is connected to whatever the hell happened to the Solal scientist. It's all yeah. connected. It's not mm-hmm. some isolated incident. All of these, you know, occurrences in the night country are connected. And we got to figure out how. Whether we're going to realize the full scope of it. Because, again, that's a, a huge theme of True Detective is he... You scrape the surface of something, you know. Mm-hmm. We didn't get them all, but we got our. We got ours. Yep. Is a an established like that's that's a thing, and and two, we as we love it for it. Two very much like doubles down on that mentality of like, you know, we were on to something. We were mm-hmm. really like we glimpsed something we saw behind the curtain. And we got fucking clapped up really quick and uh, and put away because of it, basically. <laughs> like, we all got fucked because of it. Oh, my, um, my season two has my, I mean, it, 
when I go back and listen to it, it's kind of like, okay, it's weird that it comes in this moment because they're driving through Vinci and she's just like, what the fuck is this town? Like, what is going on here? How does this exist with all these homeless immigrants and all this stuff? And Bill Coral's like, my general answer is we get the world we deserve. It's like, what? Where did that come from, Ray? We get the world we deserve? What are you, like, you just pulling that out of nowhere, bud? Like, it is, it's one of my favorite lines in the entire like series as a whole big and it's it's a throwaway line because he obviously could care less about like the plight of any sort of like immigrant or like you know poor downtrodden whatever but at the same time he's just oh yeah we get the world we deserve like wow dude okay so if we're taking that mindset into like this quote-unquote case like are we that can't be it like that's not that's not cool like these women don't deserve that but at the same time it's like they have this big belief in it and like this is kind of like it is their thing it is their culture this you know the belief well, again in the, again that's know? why i keep we keep coming back to this thing and you naturally want to assume that whatever happened to these guys out on the ice was like this i mean we've seen the aftermath of it it's mm -hmm. terrible, like something that you would like hate to endure yourself. Mm -hmm. But from the get go, we were always saying, like, what if these fuckers deserved it, dude? What if yeah. they did something that we don't know about? And I still, I don't think it's as simple as like they let some wild creature out of the ice that wasn't supposed to be there and it fucking fucked them up. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I don't. I don't think it's that. And clearly, I, I feel like Otis surviving this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mentioned, you know, we, we talked about the, the spiral in the dream, and I, I related, tried to relate it back to season one mm -hmm. the animal mask and the drugging and everything. And, I just, this feels like ritual to me. Yeah. It feels like whatever, uh, clearly, whatever was done to Otis back in 98, whether he was part of a group or not, tracks with a pattern of what happened to these guys. Is this not whatever chapter of whoever, again, whoever is doing this, whether it's a <laughs> corporeal being or not? <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, is this is, is this not the same as like the staging of of Dora Lang in that very first episode? What do you? Is this yeah. the equivalent of like, you know, yes, they were murdered somewhere else, but they were staged this way, right? And hmm. and again, some sort of ritualistic aspect. What did? And again, right when I'm wanting this dude to talk, I'm just like. Okay, guess episode's over. I guess we're not getting anything out of him for right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, excuse me. I, I totally cut us off earlier. What did you make of the final moment with Navarro? Um, I'm, um, I was confused for a second because, it, like, are we supposed to believe that, like, Danvers is in two places at once. Like, is that? I'm, I'm, I never saw her like apprehend Otis. 
So I don't know if she's like secured him and he can't go anywhere and she's finally found Navarro tracking her down or if like that's Navarro like seeing whatever this thing or entity is wants her to see that like, hey, what's going on? Like you have been looking for you forever. Like just the way that Danvers came back to her, I was like, and there was no like Otis with her. I was like, is Navarro like thinking this? So that like. Like I, I just—it was a bit confusing. No, I was going to say in a in a good way too. I had kind of the same thought initially mm-hmm. when we did the the cross cut and the cut back because I was like, "Oh shit, she's seeing you know, this is different." Right. She's she's seeing somebody who's alive, almost as if she's being manipulated. Right. Which would be in keeping with maybe some you know, maybe how you would get somebody to do something crazy to themselves if they thought somebody you know was actually there commanding them to do it i I don't know but yeah no i had that thought too and then i ultimately i i did rewind that sequence because i was a little bit like huh oh oh okay and then episode's over um i think it was more just an editing choice honestly yeah is where it kind of came around to is which was like we want the punch of like we're all in the night country now but also Mm -hmm. team you know, to, it would be to show weird you what to like, mean. no, but it would be weird to have that as the escalation like line and then have then the de-escalation of we want you to have a creepy scene where she comes in and finds right. Navarro like that as the last beat. Mm-hmm. I get why I think I get why rhythmically it was cut the way it was. I don't think it was meant to to be as as fucky as it was, but okay. it was definitely a little a little tricky. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think she's meant to actually have like come back out and found her there. Okay. But uh I mean, and if yeah. that's the implication, then it's like, you know, as big as that ship is, obviously there's time passed, but like are we to, if I'm supposed to believe that there's a giant Christmas tree in the middle of this boat, that's even creepier because how are you getting power to it? You the know? noise too. Yeah. Like the um it sounded like a debt, you know, like an old <laughs> I, I was thinking of like the Santas that mom got us this year with the saxes. Uh-huh. But like, it sounds like, you know, a recording that's been played a billion times on one of those things. Right. Like slowly dying and warbling out. And she has the, the blood in her ears. I was just like, I don't know. What's, what's it saying to her? What's going on? Okay. Yeah. Uh, any, any big beats we didn't touch on? I mean, Otis was the big, like, case revelation for sure. Yeah. We definitely are going down into a cave or a bunker of some sort. I keep thinking, like, extended research facility. Like, another part of Salal that was not on the books. That was for, like, high-level people only. Or, like, the... That maybe not even that whole crew knew what they were doing out there. Maybe there yeah. was a you know special access tunnel sort of thing. Yeah, I could somewhere. See that. Hmm. I also just I don't know because Kavik has been. I again I'm thinking there's something weird with that rune, um, and the little things like she's like, what do you you know what are you still or what's going on? And he's like, oh yeah, my brother took the kids to Disneyland. And like she almost didn't expect him to be there. 
Sorry, yeah. I'm going super roundabout. No, no, I get it. The ice fishing cabins mm-hmm. that she found him out at. I don't know why I'm picturing like a remote ice hut that you think is for fishing that actually has a hatch underneath it. Yeah, no, no, totally. I get it. I, I can, I see what you mean. And that he, kn- that, you know, maybe he knows where it is. I, I don't know. Cause I don't. I mean, I don't I don't... not that we, not that we haven't had quote unquote functional relationships in true detective before, but I mean, Wayne Hayes and his wife, they were, they were kind of constantly at odds, at least at some yeah. point in each timeline that we would see in a given episode. Like even if they were doing good in one, they weren't doing good in another. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like the borderline like, in the bedroom shit they said to each other too. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know why I'm naturally suspicious of just like, I don't know. He seems too nice. He seems like right. too, just like too good of a guy. He just seems out of place on this fucking show. Well, what's interesting you know what to I me, mean? that's, that's is... why I'm naturally suspicious of him. And now that I keep coming back to him, like, dude, maybe he knows where that hatches. Why, why did he keep that rune? I'm calling it a rune now. Well, you got to think about it. Why did if anybody's going to, if anybody's going to tell him anything, it's going to be a drunk bar patron. Is it not like Otis? or clark or anybody i just feel like he again as small as this town is and he seems more definitely more connected to like a lot of the workers around the area except again salal was isolated but it's like again he's got to hear stuff passed around like you said of course especially working at the bar i don't know man i feel like something's up with kavik now now i feel like because I feel like because I dropped my Peter Pryor suspicions this episode, mm-hmm. um, I gotta I gotta have like a new alternative suspect, and I don't know why, man, but he's on my radar. He pinged this episode. Yeah, it's the stone, dude. That was weird. It's just weird that they pointed it out that she didn't have it on her anymore. That was strange to me. You have to go back and look at that scene to see if, like, you can tell why he's because you know he does watch his reaction because he says he's like, "What is that thing?" He plays it very nonchalantly, Mm -hmm. but but I don't know. But I want to watch his watch again where he because he does this whole thing and he's like, "I've been thinking about it," and he acts like he's gonna like do some weird proposal shit and he pops her finger back in like it needs to be, but then right after that he embraces her and I'm like, and I'm now I'm thinking like, was there? Was that when he snagged it and just put it in his pocket and she didn't notice? Obviously, he's got her in an embrace, but like, did we maybe right beforehand, did he like just swipe it ever so gently? Or, you know, did he obviously like just take it from her after she, you know, before she left and she just didn't know it? Or did she stay the whole night over there? I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's just weird because like one of the shows that Bex watches at Life, Life Below Zero and there is a place out in the middle of nowhere. It is literally just a bunch of different, like, strung together, like, uh, Connex, ta- Connex, whatever things. But it's like a way station for people. And this old lady, Sue, lives out there by herself. And she spells it with a K, but it, her that place on the map is called Kavik with a K hmm. instead of a Q. I just thought that was interesting. Again, might just be another nod to, like, hey, 
you know, the creator likes that show, but the idea that it's like she and in, in real life, this place does really exist, Kavik. It's just a waypoint for people to like come by plane, refuel, restock. But that lady's out there by herself all alone. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, she's how does she keep from going crazy? Just her alone in real life. And so I don't know if that name I just I it, it always catches me when that name comes out because I'm like, oh hey, it's like that town or the the place on the, the little spot on the map that lady's at out in the middle of nowhere. But it's like, does that have some weird different meaning that like this guy in, in general is just like on his own out in the middle of nowhere, even though he's surrounded by the town folk because he's really secretly just like, you know, all in with the whole the whole, you know, cult uh you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever, I don't want to say cult out here, just like the whole, the whole spiritual, like, realm of it. Again, I, I do like what the, the Reddit post said that, like, can't necessarily just, like, equate that, like, that spiral in the symbol is inherently bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a in lot of In the same way, again, I'm saying, don't assume that these spirits are inherently bad either. Right, exactly. Even these people who feel haunted by them. Um Mm-hmm. hundred percent. So uh we'll say R.I.P. to uh Julia Navarro. Yes. And uh yeah. And uh I Mr. Think... Carl Weathers as well, unfortunately. Yes, in real life. In real life, yes. Uh to end things on a positive note, uh, probably my favorite isolated moment of the episode uh is when Navarro goes to visit Rose. Oh, on the dude. door opens up and is like, damn. Yeah. And I was and I was like, you know what? Fiona Shaw still does it for me, man. Gotta be honest. Those, she will uh, always those, know those dude. Super Mario Brothers memories will God never fade. Damn it. They will never fade. That's what I was telling Becky. She was like, because she's talking about her from like uh Harry Potter. And I'm like, I'm sorry, bro, but like she will always be Elena, or is it Elena? Elena? I don't know what her name is in, in the... I, I don't don't know, don't particularly care. Um, yeah. But, but uh, she'll always be that to me, more 100%. than anything else. Like, just, that's the first time I ever saw her in anything as a child. Yes. Uh, so. Groundbreaking. Uh, def- definitive for a lot of a lot of men of our generation. Yes. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, so shout out to Fiona Shaw and her red dress. That was... That was a lighter, lighter moment of the episode. They still managed to pack some comedy in here with as heavy as this one was. But uh, yeah, I I look forward to. Uh, I mean, dude, I honestly think she has all I, the I answers. Know. I think we're, like you said, man. I think we are on a downward spiral, and I think it's things are going to get a lot, lot darker before there's maybe any hint of light uh, at the end of this tunnel. We'll see. Alrighty then. I think we can go ahead and close that case file for this week. I've been Noah. And I've been Gavin. And this has been True Stays. Thanks for Come on. investigating me. <laughs> Come no. down. Spiral down with me. Little priest, come on down to Carcosa. All right. The post and show. bring it on down to Carcosa. <laughs> the post show. Um, I know you watched it.
all of it. We don't have to do a whole episode about it. We we could, but we can just tease a little chat about it here. Because maybe we do, we haven't, like, maybe we do a Montreal Spade, um, and, oh. and the one we're about to briefly talk about. Maybe we cover both of those, like, as our first episode. You after. know, I watched what? What, what, are you, what are you referring to? Wait, you watched all of what? Mr. Mrs. Smith. Yes. But okay. I'm saying at some point we're going to discuss Monsieur Spade, uh-huh. which you started watching, right? Yeah, yeah. We started one episode after after we got done with that. Okay. I was just and, saying we can do a whole episode where we talk about both. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I just wanted to ask you if I could get your rating so I could post it on Instagram. Oh, Mr. Mrs. Smith? Yes. Yes, yeah, solid nine nine point five. Nine nine point five. Cool. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I love. It's it's like. I don't know who this was for, but it just it, it feels was like for us. It was for me. It was, I mean, yeah. What do you mean? Who was it for? No, no, no. no. <laughs> the heat. No, no, no. Is this like a? I'm doing this because I had like a deal with swarm in this, or is this like I got to do this because I, I have a it. thing and then I'm ready to do. But I gotta get. I gotta do one for them. Then I could do my new one for me. No, well, this was his I think he has the overall deal with Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think synergistically, Amazon has the rights to Mister Mrs. Smith, right, as a property. So it was kind of one of those. What do you want to do with this? We can get into this when we actually discuss it. But like, it was originally him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. working on it. It's been through different incarnations, but. Yeah, I don't know who it was for other than it was for me because I, I fucking loved it, tore through it yeah, in two days. Dude, um, we, we, I started it Friday <laughs> night, and I was like, I got to stop because Becky's going to like this. And yesterday I was like, hey, um, I started this, but I thought you might like it, so I stopped it. Do you want to check this out? And immediately it was just like, because we've been working through Griselda. And so, like, we finished Mr. and Mrs. Smith last night or this morning. I can't remember. I wanted to watch like, and I was like trying to get her to start Monster Spade, and we got done. Like we were just like going, like I've been cleaning out there. I don't know if you can't tell here, but I've been cleaning out this room. I'm in the front room, just getting my stuff put away and whatnot. But um, but before that, we were like we we basically wanted to finish in Griselda, and that entire show, I've been like, this ain't how that happened. This is fucking Hollywood bullshit, you know? Because like I. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, even if you just watch Cocaine Cowboys too, you you know. And the fact that they didn't even put Charles Cosby in the show, I was like, what the fuck, bro? You um, knew you knew what it was going to be before you started watching it. So. Oh, yeah, of course. Some of the shit was just like, all right. Some of the okay. stuff I was just like, hey, this is not. And I, I turned to her when we stopped the first, when we were almost done with the last episode. I was like, you know, I'm real sorry that I've just been like, well, that's not how that happened. It kind of makes me probably weird that I'm sitting here telling you that. I know that this isn't true, and I have no connection to the Miami drug wars whatsoever, other than just, like, it's a fascinating time in history to me. And if I was a history professor, this would totally be my dissertation. But, yeah. She's like, no, it's fine. It's nice. So I tried to get her to watch Cocaine Cowboys 2, and she just, I don't know if she's just not into documentaries, but she's like, oh, okay, neat. And I'm like, you're not even, it's fine. So I just left it on while we were doing stuff. But I'm definitely going to go back to Mr. Uh, Spade. Word. So um, I'll make sure I got all yeah, those done. Maybe before. we can do both of those, yeah, together. Because I just do. Well, no, that's a that's an AMC Plus, isn't it? 
Yeah. I was thinking like we Amazon just happen to watch them. We just happen to watch both of them on Amazon. Yeah. I was just trying to think of like, oh, it could be like an Amazon exclusives thing, but it's like, no, there's that's that's AMC Plus. I mean, unless you want to hop on tomorrow and crank out a uh a Monday mini for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but whatever. Uh I mean we could probably tomorrow night. If you think about it, if you if you're up for it, let me know. I mean, I'm down I mean, for even if we don't do like full hour, but if we just do like a little half hour and I can throw it up. Yeah. Just a little bonus episode. Cause I feel like most people will binge it over the weekend if they're going to watch it. And then people that haven't, maybe we can give them, mm-hmm. we can do like 10 oh. minutes at the top and just pitch it like, hey, if you were thinking of skipping it, don't. Or also, yeah. maybe if you aren't interested in these aspects of it, go ahead and do skip it. But, right. Um, yeah, if you want to do that tomorrow, I just, I, it's one of those where I'm like, I could talk to you more about it right now, but I feel like I'd have more to say. And it's mm-hmm. already like 1230 and I'm going to watch a Mad Men and go to bed because yeah, I'm almost done with season one. That shit's going down so smooth, brother. I bet. Oh my God. I'll eventually get there one day. This is probably like my fourth or fifth time rewatching the first season, but it's been a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like the first two to three seasons I've seen multiple times, but then when I get past those, it's like kind of first time rewatches for the most part. And see, I just got into I season think. three of the killing. So yeah, I had to I had to start a background show and that one's that one's doing quite well. But dude, Mr. Miss Smith was perfect. I, yeah. I forget I fucking love a binge. Like every once in a while. Yeah. Right. I that like was what I was gonna say. I don't yeah. do it all the time. Maybe this will finally be the kick in the ass for you to do that. Becky liked it as well, I take it. What's that? Oh, yeah, she liked it. Well, fuck it. Go over to Hulu and check out Pen15. What's that one about? That's the one with, it's Maya Erskine, um, mm-hmm. so Jane, and uh, Anna Conkle. But they play themselves in middle school, but they're, they are their age, like adult actresses. And they mm-hmm. play themselves in middle school and it's in the early 2000s. Oh like, my God. It's okay. our era kind of almost perfectly. And it is, dude, it's, okay. it's yeah. so good. That shit's like the funniest. It, it, I've talked to you about it before. It's the closest thing to like Freaks and Geeks or Undeclared since that. And it's better than both of those shows. And I fucking love Freaks and Geeks. But Pen15 is like hysterically funny and will also like make you cry at the same time. Yeah, I mean, she had the best stuff in the show. I can't show. even spoil the the cameos for you. But yeah, if you enjoyed her and Mr. and Mrs. Smith at all, you have to watch that show. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I will leave you with that and the audience with that as another reminder. And we both give uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Amazon Prime uh, two big thumbs up. Uh, if you were wondering, yeah. we will be back with more thoughts uh, very soon on that and once you're spayed. And of course, we'll be back uh, to discuss Part five of the night country. So here's looking at you. Oh, wrong, wrong, (laughs) sorry.